I'm DJ. And I'm Andrew. Welcome to the One Shots Tavern podcast. TTRPG podcast where we seek out new ways to tell your stories through different systems and games. Today, we are talking about something near and dear to our heart. That is the Cypher system by Monty Cook Games. Andrew got me into Cypher uh, going on almost a year ago now, if not more, um, and kind of pulled us into a campaign, uh, which was great. And it's been kind of like crazy how <laughs> different but similar it can be to 5e. The problem that I saw happening over and over outside of just my own games was and, and i'm not here to rag on what people enjoy right don't don't get me wrong right. but it was like you know um cyberpunk 5e or it was yeah. you know like star <laughs> wars 5e and it was like yep. like here's the thing those those supplements are often still great what what they yeah. do well is they are an on-ramp for somebody to explore other things with familiar rules. My argument that I would say, and I think a lot of people share with me, is there are better systems to do different genres, to do different mm. uh, IPs. You know, like there's there are so many other tools in other systems. And that's a big reason why we're doing this podcast. I literally had a dream. And it was a weird dream. And it was like this awful scene I... of like <laughs> a colony ship entering into a new system and being ravaged by some bizarre dark matter virusy thing. And I just started writing. Like I woke up and I was, I was like, I need to write right now. It was one of those moments, right? And this happened literally a decade ago. And I wrote it. And at the time I was playing uh pathfinder and mm -hmm. i made a whole supplement is <laughs> awful i will it will never see the light of day it, it was so bad um but i i did what i'm describing right i tried to yeah. make a 3.5 for my system because i didn't i wasn't educated enough on other systems right so that story sat with me for years and i was done with um we had ran you know probably our third uh 5e game and multi-year like campaign and right. i was just bored with running fantasy honestly and i'm like i want to play something else um before cypher i had only really played around i'd done like one game of savage worlds uh star wars i'd played a couple games of fate which is an interesting system that I'm sure we might talk about again one day. Oh, um, I played a little bit of that, but um, I just craved a system of rules that would support the narrative I wanted to tell. And yeah, it wasn't that's 5e. the big thing. Yeah, 5e is very much a fantasy system, and there's not much you can do to kind of change it out. Yeah. Uh, and so we stumbled upon Cypher System. A little background about Monty Cook Games, the company that uh, produce, uh, produces Cypher and Numenera and all of the other settings uh, for Cypher System, is Monty Cook worked for Wizards of the Coast from 1992 to about 2002. Um, and so, like, Monty Cook was not, like, solely responsible no, but directly but... responsible 
uh, for a lot of modules, including working on Planescape. Um, quit in 2002 and then came back for D&D Next, which, of course, became 5e. Um, so, yeah, it, like it, you've probably touched something that he's worked on in the past. And so after he left uh, the D&D Next project uh, for reasons that he only describes as he really liked the people that he worked with. Uh, <laughs> uh, not so much the people he worked for. Yeah. Um, he decided to go out and start Monty Cook Games and released a bunch of stuff. Uh, Tolis, uh, Numenera, and from Numenera came the Cypher system. Right. So Numenera was the first thing I heard about. And it's freaking weird. And that's what got me excited in the first place. I yeah. actually ran Numenera. I don't know. Were you in that game along? I was not. I ran uh, the starter set. Um, there's oh, an okay. adventure in the starter set. I ran it a couple of years back. I, I really wanted to just mess around with it. I watched some videos. There was um, an old like Geek and Sundry playthrough of, of some oh, Numenera okay. stuff. And I was like, this is really weird and cool. And I want to try it out. Um, but then I picked up these two gorgeous books. <laughs> yeah. Which I mostly own because they're pretty. Um, I haven't actually ran a Numenera campaign. Um, I've used these in my Cypher game. Yeah. Oh, for sure. The reason is Numenera, and, and I'm seeing this as a common thread and I'm trying to implement it in my own game design, but Numenera came first. They made a rule set that helped them deliver the storytelling that they wanted to for Numenera. Um, right. amongst those mechanics, there is something called a cipher, which we'll talk about in a second. And that cipher was kind of core to their storytelling. As a result, when they made a setting agnostic rule set that was, you know, like very one-to-one -one with Numenera for how it works, um, mm -hmm. they made and named it cipher, um, because they adopted this idea of a cipher, which is basically just a magical item. Um, right. It's just a one-time use magical item um, like a grenade it's a grenade they're all grenades basically um some some kind of grenade exactly Emotion sensing grenade yeah uh, but i mean it's that from reality grenade right like um yeah so basically a cipher it will let's talk briefly about numenera and how it kind of informs some of the design so numenera is called uh the the set inside the setting it is called the ninth world civilization starting with us as this present day, like America is the first world. So yeah. civilization has risen to its height and collapsed catastrophically and almost, almost to nothing nine times. Right. Um, amongst these nine histories, we don't actually have in the lore, like answers for what all nine were explicitly. It's, it's, it's lost right. history. It's, it's, um, it's the idea of like in Dungeons and Dragons, like how there was the old um, like Netherese Empire and like how that's where a lot of the dungeons and ruins come from. The idea is in the ninth world, there is so much weird technology and essentially magic, even though they don't generally call it that. And they lump it all under one umbrella term, which is the Numenera, which is basically weird shit from another yeah. civilization. and. 
the idea is all these weird artifacty kind of junk that has floated around. You know, one of these civilizations maybe was all nanites. Another one was non-human. Another one was whatever. All these different civilizations developed a weird technology. And imagine if somebody found a calculator in some future iteration of civilization. Right. They'd be like, what is this weird thing? They might just throw it away. Um, but in, in Newman era, it's basically you've got weird stuff and it does something cool. And yeah. it's, it's yep. maybe unstable. It's maybe old and it's not going to do it again. You basically get to use it once. Um, right. It's the it's last bit of life. As a game master, I've given out a lot of magic items. And I've sat there and been so annoyed when the players don't use something I gave them like three or four sessions ago because either one, yeah. they forgot about it, or two, they think they need to save it for something important that's coming when the reality is they really should use the tools they have at their fingertips. Yeah, exactly. And the next one might be even better. Yes. <laughs> uh, for sure. So, uh, and it, it, yeah, no, it's no, no, go a ahead. great mechanic. Um, and it makes players excited for like, you know, <laughs> hey, I just used up all my ciphers. We just finished a boss battle. Yep. Is there anything cool nearby? Well, let's find out. Yep. Right. And and you find out and it, it, like there's some really out there off the wall ones. Yeah. But they have several different tables that are four different settings. Right. Magic items that are for different types of games whether it's a fantasy high fantasy low fantasy um cyberpunk space yeah. odyssey whatever you want to run cypher has it literally because yeah. they have a growing library now of different things uh one of the first ones they released i believe was the strange mm -hmm. and the strange is basically about these people who can pop in and out of worlds uh, that's their whole deal, um, which is great because then they expanded on that with probably one of the coolest box sets of all time. And it is called Invisible Sun, the Black Cube. You, I want it so bad. It is so beautiful. It comes with props. It comes with cards, handouts, anything like just so much stuff for $200 yeah. for one, which is crazy. And like it's it takes what the strange had of people hopping from plane to plane in different worlds and goes, OK, there's a secret society of people who travel between worlds. But on top of that, they have um, uh, claim the sky, which is their superhero module. Oh, yeah. And so like it's like, hey, let's run a superhero game. Uh, they have yeah. first response. First responders, which is like a real world, you're a paramedic, police officer, or a firefighter. Uh, they have Stay Alive, which is their zombie apocalypse survival. Um, of course, Numenera, Path of the Plane Breakers, because of course, like I mentioned, uh, Monty Cook worked on the original Planescape. Which is, uh, by the way, my absolute favorite all time right. 5e exactly. setting. Like and Plane Breakers takes all of that coolness. <laughs> Uh, and puts it into the cipher system. It's even 5e compatible. Yep. A lot of this stuff is. And then uh, they have a new one coming out. Uh, I believe it's called Rust and Redemption. Oh, really? Don't quote me on that. Uh, this is one of the ones from their recent Kickstarter. Um, 
and it is a, a post-apocalypse. Instead it's of so being great. the apocalypse, it's just post-apocalypse. They give Pokey you the apocalypse. tools. <laughs> Pokey-apocalypse. Oh, and Old Gods of Appalachia. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. Can't yeah. forget about that one. I have, oh, that's on my bookshelf. Yep. But, like, so many different things. So you have, you know, that... Uh, uh, Call of Cthulhu-esque horror, right? Right, And you have zombie horror, and you have, you know, the world, and you have everything. And they're basically saying, hey, our system can be used for just about any setting you can imagine. So throw back to the problem that I was talking about, right? So, like, I was like, I want to run this. I tried it with 3.5. It was messy. But even then, I was trying to push out of the box, try new mechanics. I basically was like, all right, I'm going to use Cypher. This is this this is a setting agnostic system. Yep. So I can build my own setting. And not only do I have the ability to do that, but I also can reference, if I'm doing some genre stuff, I can reference Numenera, which honestly, there's a lot of Numenera stuff in my setting because I do right. weird technology stuff. Um, not just like normal cyberpunk, but like kind of surrealist, kind of, body horror, kind of like Annihilation, some like weird stuff going on in my setting. And I, I'm able to adopt some of the mechanics, some of the things present in Numenera, but at the end of the day, I can just homebrew it. That's right. one of my favorite things about Cypher is, yeah. is homebrew isn't a chore. So before I get ahead of myself, let's talk about how this system works. And right. why we're, I would, we're raving about why it, but we haven't I talked about any of it. it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> simplest, simplest thing we can talk about you have three stats and they're not really stats in the way you think of them in 5e or other systems they are pools of resources yeah those resources are spent through the course of your day and and over throughout play and yep. and then represent you spending yourself in a lot of ways right they are also You're your health pools yep because you take damage to the very resource that you are using to overcome obstacles. Right. Um, classic example is your might pool. You have might, speed, and intellect. Might, yep. you're going to go out, you're going to bonk stuff with a hammer, and you're going to roll a defensive might roll against an attack that might hit you. And that represents, like, my strength is dwindling, not only because I've exerted myself, but I've also taken that damage. Um, right. And, and that's like deeply uh, like how the system works. It is about the player having control of the narrative, but also having Fully. control of how they spend themselves in so many different ways. That player control kind of extends to almost the entire game, right? Because the game master does not roll anything. Which the man, game master I do miss rolling. <laughs> I do miss rolling. But it's so freeing not having right. to roll. Because, like I said, there's a might defense roll. There's also a speed defense roll. There is an right. intellect defense roll. Basically, if my creature is attacking the player mentally, they roll a defense roll. It's a classic right. problem. Think back to maybe when you were trying 5e or you're around somebody else with 5e. I'm pretty sure everybody's witnessed it. The GM says, I'm going to attack your character now with my goblin or whatever. They attack, they roll the hit, and the player's like, what? I don't get to defend? It's like, right. well, your AC already calculates your dex, whatever. Right. Basically, the Which player goes, boring. I don't have agency over this yeah. hit. I want to 
be an active participant yeah. in this part of combat. Exactly. This system does that. So like you have agency, right? Whether or not you succeed or fail on your defense role, really most of the time is going to be up to you and how much you're willing to spend to protect yourself, right? Because that's the thing. You're countering. You're going into a defense. So like, of course, you are spending yourself you know your yeah. might and speed you could almost see as like how tired you're getting right instead of it just necessarily being like oh you know well yeah think about it if they hit you that's a damage but if you instead like use extra resources to avoid getting hit that's like you getting tired down so um, I was first introducing yeah. one of our friends, Will. He's he's in the Cypher campaign that I've been running for about a year. When I was introducing him to it, he was like, oh my gosh, this solves the problem that I've had with playing a caster in 5e. He wanted the ability in 5e to overexert himself, right? I'm out of yeah. spell slots. He played Warlock. He really felt the pain of not having yeah, enough she... spell slots. He Sorry, wanted the moment... Now. You know, like, yeah, right. They're changing stuff because there's a problem. <laughs> but exactly. he wanted that anime moment of like, oh, you know, like uh, Kaioken, right? Like where you yeah, just like, yep. you, you really push yourself beyond and maybe at right. the cost of your own self. Or like yep. you could, you could kill yourself because you did such a strong attack. You I actually could do damn. that in Cypher. <laughs> yeah. Yep, it it's 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 super great. And you know, that that kind of like it feels so satisfying. It really does. Um, there's some other things that I really love about Cypher as well. Uh, for example, the character creation I think is one of the more in-depth character creations that I've come across. And it's so simple. It is a sentence. Uh you are a blank adjective. Yeah, so it's an adjective, noun, uh, noun who, uh, verbs, basically, does how it, it yeah. works. Yeah. So, so for example, um, I played a craven explorer uh, who fights dirty. And what did that so, mean? Uh, your descriptor is like, it provides a boon, a, usually a boon and a bane, right? It gives you some skills, and it's, it's a way to describe your character's personality in a way. So my character was Craven, so he was a coward. He was fast. He could easily uh, run away from things, but he had some downsides. He couldn't take on dangerous things by himself. Um, and uh, uh, he would not willingly go into danger yeah. right, without people kind of pushing. So basically so, what yeah. you've got is... is it's not a traditional class system. Like I am a warlock. My subclass is celestial warlock. It's, it kind of does that just a little bit, but everything is isolated from one another. So it's not right. I pick this, then I pick this. It's, I would like to be, typically you pick your type first, which is the closest thing to a class. Um, so yeah. your core ones in cypher, you have Explorer, you have Warrior, you have Adept, which is your magic kind of individual, and Speaker, which is your charismatic yeah. kind of individual. Right. Um, that could be Bardic, you know, or it could just be Social, right? That's the yeah. other cool thing. Because this system is not assuming there's magic in your game, 
right? It's it's putting things kind of in a generic sense, but it, it doesn't science. shy away from the fact that you're doing yeah. fantastical things. You are not locked into the archetype of being a paladin, of a monk, of anything like that, because yep. you choose your type. So say you chose a, an adept or a speaker, right? They're not very, like, weapon-geared classes, right? But with your focus, you can take on that extra aspect. So you can be a caster, a full-on caster, and you could take something like um, License to Carry. It basically gives you all, all of the firearm skills, right? And makes you really good at it. Or uh, another one of my favorites is uh, Wields Two Weapons, which is one of the only ways, uh, one of the few ways, not one of the only ways, uh, that you can attack twice in a round. Um, or you could just take master's weapons. And so like you imagine your wizard is able to use any weapon that the fighter is able to use, right? Your wizard is a battle master. Yes. Like an actual your wizard's battle, a battle master. master. Not, not one that's yeah. like a half butted battle master. I'm like I, poorly I, multi-classed and like yeah. falling apart. Because like, I don't know. It's 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 super great. And there are so many focuses. And the more books you buy, it's crazy. The more focuses there are. I'm currently putting together an actual play of Cypher. And I was like, okay, this is a space campaign. And it's kind of like what Andrew is talking about, where he uses Numenera stuff in his world. Well, in my world, uh, my world's a lot a lot more magical than his is, but it's going to also be in space. And so it's like, cool. Whereas his is like uh, Star Wars with a little less, right? Mine's like Star Wars with a little more <laughs> as far as the magic goes. But I can take the Numenera stuff. I could take the Plane Breaker stuff. I can take all of it, present these books to my players because I have a problem and I keep buying them and uh, basically go, hey, go wild, have fun. Like, I want you to build the character that you want to play, not the one that you are stuck within confines to play. And if you need me to, I will build you a type specifically for you. So all the all the type and the focus and all that stuff, honestly, all they do is give you a guideline to follow if you're trying to kind of fall in line with that trope and that idea. The, The rules are so flexible that you can debatably throw all of that out and homebrew all of it. It's not even homebrew. It's how the system works. It's very ability focused. So I want the ability to do um, a mental attack. Well, there's an ability that typically you get as an adept called onslaught. You can do a mental attack or a mentally manifested attack, and it even lets you choose within that attack how to do it. That ability sits in isolation in the book, in the abilities section. If you go to your DM and you're like, I would like to do this, they'll be like, okay, cool. There's rules for that. Yeah. And boom, there you go. Um, I I think that what this system does well, because again, DJ, to a fault, could talk about the system all day because we've had a lot of time with it, unlike some of the other games we're learning. Um, This game, and we've already mentioned this a little bit, this game puts so much control in the player's hands of the narrative. Yes. I would say the main ways it does that is one, character creation is deeply flexible. Two, 
you have intrusions, um, which we'll explain in a little bit in a second. We haven't um, even talked but about you game have master player, intrusions. Yet. Yeah, player and game master intrusions, which at, at the core, I'll just do the short explanation because we've explained it in another episode too. Um, it's just an opportunity to say, I want to do something where I'm in control of the narrative. It's either the player saying that or the GM saying right. that. And it's just like, all of a sudden you're a GM and your player has a player intrusion. There's one that I think best encapsulates player intrusions. Is it, is it a speaker one? No, it's, I don't even know. It, maybe it's warrior, but it's, it's called, I know a guy. A friend. Yeah. It's, it's called, yep, I know warrior. a guy. And all yep. it is, is the player goes, <laughs> they, they pay some, they pay a resource, which is an XP token. They pay that to the GM and they say, I know a guy. And in the middle of a fight, like we had a guy, you know, unloading his gun. He's like, I need to call in backup. He goes, I need your backup. He calls somebody in that's nearby, zooms in on their yep. their ship, and they just lay down some covering fire for the party to right. get an edge in the middle of the combat. And it was an NPC that I wasn't expect not expecting to be in the session. It was the player being able to have a cool moment yeah. based on their backstory, based on who they are, the relationships they've had, the things they've invested in, and they just got yep. to control the narrative for a moment. Um, yeah. And then additionally, you have uh, like the 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 way that rolling works. So without fully doing a how to, you're gonna roll a d20 for any kind of skill check, a skill check or an attack. They are identical. Um, yep. So the GM's like, I, this is a speed test, and that test is maybe an attack roll, kind of like you would make like with a ranged weapon. It's a speed yep. test because you're shooting a gun, or it might be, you know, there's a bunch of rocks falling and you need to jump out of the way. Right. Either way, it's a speed test. It's just a flat D20 roll. The GM tells you the DC in advance. Again, putting the 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 reins in the player's hand to determine how they're going to deal with this because they know what they have to beat. They tell them the DC, and the player decides how hard they want to try to beat the DC by using points from that pool. Yeah. And then and and so much so they could use enough, it's called effort. To bring the DC to zero. Yep. Which means they don't have to roll and they yeah. just succeed. And it's going to cost, right? Yeah. There's, there's always going to be a cost. For example, um, I had a situation in one of our games where, you know, I really wanted to just, I wanted the boss fight to be over. And so I, I, I used up, uh, a bunch of effort to 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 make sure I hit, and then the rest of it, I just threw all of that into my damage, which in- increases your damage, and I did a ridiculous amount of damage. Um, and then from there, it was like, cool guys, I'm completely spent. Uh, if I take a hit, a leaf, a leaf will kill you. Yeah, and I was like, if, and I was basically had one stat that had anything in it. Yeah, <laughs> but, it, um, but what but did it like, do? It, it yeah. let you decide how the rest of the encounter was going to go. You were able right. to calculate that it was possible that you could do it and you yep. might survive. Exactly. And that's what happened, right? Uh, the next person to get a hit on the big bad, well, it wasn't even the big bad. It was the the henchman of the big bad, essentially. He, uh, he, he was gone. It was over. Yep. 
right? He had and like, like five health and then his head got cut off. It's satisfying, right? Yep. It is so satisfying to go, I gave my all in yeah. this fight. Because how many times have you played a fifth edition game and half of the party members didn't even take a hit Yeah, in the final fight, right? So what this does is it's like, hey, this battle is in your hands, right? Well, and it's not free. And, like, success it's isn't free. free. You right. have to exert yourself. Your pools will not be full at the end of an encounter. Like, no. it just doesn't work like that. Unless you're choosing uh, yeah. to essentially never, like, like okay. You're, if you don't add anything to the roll, you are 100% at the mercy of a dice, right? And your, your rolls are, are often potentially going to be impossible without some degree of effort. And right. you're not going to walk out of any fight without, you may not get hit, but you definitely right. exerted yourself. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I think that, again, like the, the system is really well done. It's an elegant system. It puts the, the reins in the player's hands as what do you want to have happen? And it really, it kind of follows through on that in a way that a lot of systems don't. It, it, it does. It's a thing yeah. that GMs often kind of promise. And I don't feel like are supported in a lot of games that I've played. Um, that is yeah. changing the more that I play things that aren't 5e. Um, but like, <laughs> yeah. it's it's a serious yep. thing to be able to, as the player, feel like a serious contributor to the narrative. And I, I think yeah. that it's not... Um, so many So many players are like, I never want to be a GM. First off, that's fine. Um, yeah. But you can trick them into basically being a GM in, in Cypher and giving oh, yeah. them such an opportunity to really influence and control the narrative. And, and yeah. I love that. And it's, they have to think about their actions, right? They have to think about how they're going to do things. They have to come up with, like with a lot of these intrusions, they have to come up with their own lore yeah. of themselves. It is, it is one of the best systems so far, right, of what yeah. we've tried. You know, there is still a ton out there and I can't wait, but it's one of the best systems that I have experienced uh, besides the Lumen system, too, yeah. uh, that allows players and the game master to actually collaboratively tell a story because everybody has just as much kind of like stank, stank, <laughs> stake, <laughs> control, like, and, and, and like, and blood sweat and tears yeah. into it they're it's, invested it's, yeah exactly i think that um if you really were to sit down and play a one shot of cypher um it it clicks so quickly um so to to the new player um it takes some unlearning okay i'll be honest because yeah. because you'll you pick up bad habits from uh some of the big games out there honestly 100 percent um, not just for Cypher, but for like collaborative storytelling in general, there are some bad habits that we learn in other systems. Um, I think Cypher helps people unlearn that pretty quickly. It's not that hard, but you just, once it clicks, it clicks, right? Yeah. And um, I see my players helping each other more, um, deeply invested in other people's roles and stories. And, and they're not, 
they're not just waiting for their turn to be dope. Like right. they know the stakes of the encounter as it goes. And that's the freaking coolest part because one of the actions you can take in combat as a player is to essentially not take an action for yourself, yeah. but to assist the next action of mm-hmm. their their teammate. So if it's one of those situations where it's like, I don't think I can do much help by attacking, yeah. you can instead do something that is going to make it easier for your teammate to attack them. Yep. It could be distracting. It could be drawing their fire. There's so many options, and it's baked into the system by saying, hey, yeah. here's you like one of the other options in the book that it describes of things that you can do in combat is what can you think of? So, <laughs> so the thing about the way that the, the essentially helping lowering the DC effort, all that stuff, the way that it works is basically it's in levels. Um, and I don't, I'm, I'm not going to get into the math. I don't really feel like it's worth it, but basically every time you help, it's like giving that person advantage. Right. The difference is, unlike in 5th edition, it stacks. Um, exactly. Everybody can of, do it. Yeah, and outside of that effort and assets, essentially is what they're called, there's no addition to the dice. So there's actually no math, really, that the player's doing where it's like, I add 5 to my roll. Nope, you roll a d20, yep. and you hope it's a big number. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of like that fi- finale scene in Guardians of the Galaxy where like they're holding on to the stone yeah. and then they all kind of like grab hands and stuff and they're sharing the burden to like, yeah. oh, guess what? We reduced it to zero, Game Master. Yeah. And it's great. It it It's so narratively wonderful. <laughs> you know what sucks in 5th edition? Huh. When you yeah. add 25 and you hit yeah. And whoop de doo like, and nothing yep. special happens, right? Yeah. In this, it's like, okay, not only can we make this an absolute success, but we can now use the rest of the effort that we might throw at this and just turn it into damage. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. some major benefit or some, <laughs> yep. like, additional thing. Um. So, yeah, again, I I absolutely adore this system. I will, okay, so let, let's, we've talked this thing up a lot. What does it not do vanilla that like you would maybe choose to use a different system over it that's a really hard question to ask i can Um, answer mine first all right i'll let you answer yours first i don't know if i would run fantasy with cypher there's absolutely nothing wrong with it but i don't think this is the go-to for just a normal high fantasy game it 1000 percent works the rules exist Plane Breaker is a supplement within Cypher that already is built for this. But me personally, I would probably just pick something else because there's yeah. a million other interesting high fantasy right. settings. Yeah. And, you know, especially if you are the type of person who wants to play a big caster, um, like, yeah, you get a bunch of special abilities. Uh, you have to go out and seek the very magical ones because yeah. they're not a part of the type. Some of them are a part of your focus, but you might not want to yeah. limit to that focus. Uh, and some of them are part of a flavor, which is just, you know, something you can trade out with your focus yep. every now and then. Um, but as far as like lower magic settings or modern yep. settings 
or super far future settings or post like perfect, right? Because it feels right. I mean, here's the thing. Part of this adventure, this podcast that we're doing is looking at what would I do with this system? So yeah. if I were to just. Well, I changed weapons a little bit. That, the, yeah. Right. But like I was about to I'm praise weapons, you as a GM, but... <laughs> you as a GM. Yeah. yeah. Weapons leave something to be desired. Yeah. I think if you as a GM right now are looking at Cypher. Here's why I think it would be for you or not. You have your own setting and you are looking for a system to support it without making something whole cloth brand new of your own, especially if it's not just high fantasy. Um, If that's you, use Cypher. It will be so easy to do it. Definitely. Um, I would say there are systems that do specific things better. Any setting agnostic system will be not the best at any one genre. Definitely not. You cannot be everything to everyone, right? Right. Cypher cannot be the best sci-fi game and the best fantasy game. It just doesn't work like that. But what it does give you is flexibility, and it gives you a framework to build on. And and that's why I love it. And they encourage you to break and, you know, mend the rules, right? To make it what you need it to be and that's awesome yep well we've ranted and raved about this (laughs) system for a while i so appreciate you all taking the time to uh listen and uh enjoy uh hopefully by listening to this cypher episode you will understand the references that we make to the system right throughout the rest of the podcast because it's what we're playing the most right now um that being said, if you've given it a try, if you have any recommendations of how you've made it your own, please let us know in the comments Definitely. below. You know, check out our Patreon. Um, we'll probably be doing a um, an actual play. Well, DJ's working on an actual play, uh, full-on campaign. Um, we're definitely going to be doing a session with some friends that haven't gotten a chance to try Cypher. Right. So that will be over on our Patreon. Um, come over there, drop some support couple bucks a month like really genuinely makes this worth it and makes us be able to increase production and do new crazy ideas um and buy new systems so that we can try them out for you all because we want to try them all yeah really (laughs) we want to find things that we love just as much and more than cypher so thank you guys for listening in um this has been a blast and uh we will we'll talk to you guys soon yeah look out for part two yeah definitely sure will be a part two We'll probably do like uh, we'll do like a a, a cipher retrospective when I finish up our campaign or something. Cipher revisited. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) There is much more in a system like this. So thank you guys and have a good one.